O great creator, both Abba and Amma, I ask that you allow me to speak clearly, truthfully, to exemplify the spirit that is within all of us. Amen. Please be seated. Is that too loud or is that okay? I hate microphones. We are here to celebrate Bill Rhodes' life. But I also think we need to remember that we are also here gathered together because he meant something to all of us. And we are also here to commiserate our loss. I will admit that I am still in heavy grief. So on such an august occasion, how does a guy like me end up here? Bill Rhodes, in his usual meticulous way, wrote out and assigned every little bit of this service. And that's not a joke. It is true. (laughs) He left it this way. And the reason he asked me to be the one to preach and to choose the gospel was because he knew it would be the best closure I could have. He also knew I would speak the truth. Bill was always so tactful and mannered. You got a bull in a china shop here. Now, numerous people have come up to me and said that they've seen Bill in the last week. I have no problem believing that. I saw him just now when I was climbing those stairs in my clumsy way due to a knee surgery. And I can't help but think that I know he would love seeing this. But at the same time, Bill Rhodes, in his inimitable way, would have went, pursed his lips, and said, well, surely you all have something better to do. So how did I come to know Bill Rhodes? Unfortunately, I don't have time to share the main story of how Bill ended up in rehab for alcoholism, and he wasn't shy about that, so I'm not revealing anything. All I do is call it the priest, the homeless man, and the bishop's visit. Someday, if you want, I will tell you the story, but I cannot do it justice as Bill did. But anyway, Bill ended up in rehab, and when he got out, he got sent to a halfway house in San Francisco. In the Midwest, my brother Jim and I, our oldest brother Bobby, came out of rehab, was moving to San Francisco, and he ended up in the same rehab house, and God's way of saying anonymous is coincidence, they ended up as roommates. This was in the late 80s. I met Bill in either 88 or 89 for the first time. I was still out using drugs and drinking, I had left the church at 16. I had no belief in myself or any other spirituality. And I used to go up two or three times a year and visit, and I would always stay in the rectory. Bobby and Bill became the fastest of best friends. And when Bobby lived there, 
Unfortunately, later in his life, he would go back out and it would kill him. But when Bobby lived at the rectory with Bill and Bobby was helping in the church and they were going to AA meetings together and they were living together, celibacy, it was the most happy and productive I have ever seen my oldest brother. That's the kind of power Bill had with people. So I used to go up and visit And I'd always get to stay there, too, and I would go with Bobby and Bill sometimes when they'd go around to the various hospices. And I think through some sort of osmosis, I began to look outside of my narcissistic, self-righteous self and began to wonder what this all was about. Now, Bill was a priest. Well, duh, John, he was a priest. He was the encapsulation of everything a good priest is. And some people don't take stock in it, but I do. I believe that one of the main functions of any priest, and of any human being for that matter, is what we put under the label pastoral care. He was a master. And if it was an art, which I think he thought it was, then he was to pastoral care what Michelangelo was to the Sistine Chapel. And I emulated him in that area. So why did I choose the gospel reading I chose? Three points in here that point directly to Bill. The argument about which of them was the greatest. I've only met a handful of people in my life that I could say were honestly, truly humble. Bill was one of them. He did not like the spotlight. He served, as we all should, just to serve. If you look in the back of your bulletin, there is a picture of Bill. And I'm sorry that they cut. It's actually not a complete picture. Myra was also featured in that picture. And the two of them are sitting on these steps looking like two children, that's like cats that swallowed the canaries. <laughs> Part of the reason I liked the child being mentioned was because you could never look at Bill Rhodes without seeing the little boy in his face when he smiled. And lastly, Bill lived his life believing he was one of the least of these. Not in a poverty way, but an internal way. Like all of us, he had doubts, He had struggles with self-esteem, self-worth. He faced the bigotry of, of the time he grew up in being a gay man. Julie and I were talking the other day and reminiscing, and 
she hit upon the perfect word for Bill, and I think it's one of the ones that describes him the best. No matter what the situation, he was always gracious. Even when he was in conflict with somebody, he was gracious. Bill's internal struggles, his demons that many of us that are in recovery have fought and have tamed down but maybe not gotten rid of totally, but he was so committed to his recovery program, to his AA family, and no surprise that not only did he go and get nourished there, but he reached out and helped so many there in another venue similar to the church. I think the happiest I've ever seen Bill was when he was vested and walking down the aisle of a church. That's where he belonged. That's, that's what he was. And he has touched so many of us out here deeply. I look down in this row, see his brother, his sister-in-law, my only remaining brother, his girlfriend, Betty, who he was so close to, my own wife. But all of you were his family, too. Bill had an incredible ability to connect in relationship with just about everybody that he met. And I also believe that in some ways he could absorb the pain that they were in so that his empathy came through even stronger. And he was not an advice giver or a counselor or I'm going to tell you what to do kind of guy. He would listen. He would nudge, he would push, he would elicit to help the person help themselves. I want to move on to the more personal part of Bill. Bill loved books, movies, music, and restaurants. <laughs> now, this is going to shock you. I have to go back to the first day in the 80s when I met him. When I first met Bill Rhodes, he was a chain-smoking, steak and potatoes, never ordered a salad, wouldn't even eat the vegetable they gave him with the main course, <laughs> believed that at least one dessert a day was his God-given right, and he was pudgy. I know, it sounds like something from Ripley's, right? That's the way it was. And when he got so sick, he realized he had to make changes. And he did. Now, going back to the music, my oldest brother Bobby was the original hippie, and because he was listening to it when I was growing up, I became the same way. And we worship at the altar of all rock and roll, and the more far out it was, the better it was. Bill was classical music. Bill loved going to the symphony, and he really loved going to the opera. 
And so, as the jousting goes amongst friends and brothers, one day I said to him, I said, classical music I can handle, but I don't understand opera. I said, I don't get who they are. What do they do? I said, what, like, what is the difference between a prima donna and a diva? And he looked at me and said, about 45 pounds. <laughs> When he was very, very ill with the leukemia, and the doctors had told him basically, you know, start getting your affairs in order. You might want to think about doing some things that you might enjoy. So, as we all know, Bill was conservative. Bill goes out, gets this fancy schmancy new apartment. But the funny part was he went out and he bought a Mercedes convertible. And he had a tweed hat and calfskin driving gloves. And he took a trip to the Holy Land, I think, too. But he had all this. And then I think it was nine months later he goes in and they said, we don't see any traces of the leukemia. We think it's in remission. And as usual, when I called Bill to congratulate him when I heard the news, he said to me, well, that information would have been nice to have had a little earlier. <laughs> Books. There are few people in this world that are as well-read as Bill, I believe, and what made Bill so incredible was his retention of what he read. Um, as I said, I will speak the truth. My bishop is one that I know is incredibly well read. But I think even he would have given a nod to Bill for the sh just the sheer volume of reading that Bill did. And he loved to go to movies and have dinner. He and my wife became very close. And they had a very special relationship my wife is one that is very much into everything organic and growing her own and everything else, and that fit right into the vegan of Bill. There is no way I can capture everything about him, and right now may be the only time I envy the evangelicals because they can go on for 45 minutes. Unlike us, we keep them to 10 to 15. So I've just got a couple things before I close, but... This one, I think, is going to shock you, but it is directly from Bill, and I'm going to ask that you participate as loudly as you can. Now, a long time ago, Bill and I had a conversation, and we kind of the way friends do sometimes, and I asked him one time, I said, well, you know, if you were at a funeral and it was yours, you know, what hymn would, would you like played or whatever, and we talked about what would be on our headstones and all that kind of stuff, and, and I was kidding him, and I said, uh, I said, I think I would like it to be sort of New Orleans style, and I, you know, you, you celebrate, but there's a lot of times there's a lot of sadness, but I wanted to have some little bit of excitement at the end, and I told him what I would do. And he said, really? And I said, yeah. I said, my drinking and drugging career, trust me, I embarrass myself so much, there's nothing left to embarrass me with. And he said, I like that idea. 
So this is Bill's idea. And I think the reason he liked it is it is so un-Bill. So get ready. To honor our fallen brother and friend who we know through our faith, through our God, through Christ, through the Holy Spirit, where he is. He asked me to have everybody give me a good old-fashioned hallelujah. So I'm going to count it off, and I want you all to jump, jump in. One, two, three. Hallelujah! Eh. <laughs> One more. Let him hear you. One, two, three. Hallelujah! And can I get an amen? Thank you. In closing, my friend and brother Gil Stafford, and I'll probably mess this up, but he has a saying that I, that I really relate to, and Thomas Merton has something very similar, but Gil is very fond of using this. As Christ increases, I decrease. Thomas Merton said, I want to disappear into God. I think Bill has done exactly that. And he knew, well, that somehow, some way, I would work some sort of rock and roll person into this. So I will close with a word from my prophet, neighbor and friend from New Jersey, Bruce Springsteen. (laughs) And a song called Into the Fire. May your strength give us strength. May your faith give us faith. May your hope give us hope. May your love bring us love. I love Bill Rhodes. And I will love him and miss him till the end of my days. And I know you out there feel the same.